Sorry. This is what happens when you're muting the phone and don't realize the music has just faded out on you. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, April 3rd. I'm Randy. We got our other host here, guys. Thomas. Thomas. Enos. I'm the madman on the board. So, so for now on, I'm not going to call your guys' names because that's quite frankly gotten old. As I point to you, you just talking to the microphone. So you've gotten too old to remember who we are? <laughs> well, you've you, got to get there. You know, you're, you're so, thank you, Enos. Yes, what, what Enos said. You have to get here. <laughs> I, I'm not the one that said that you were old. You said you were old. I didn't say it. Well, yeah, yeah that's what that. you did. Never mind. <sighs> so anyway, anyway, it's just... Memory loss. It works better for our listeners if I say I'm Randy and then I go around a room and you guys give your own names instead of me saying who you are. It's, you know what I'm saying? All right, so now that Thomas has found a way to aggravate me within the first two minutes of the show. <laughs> fire him. Um, no, I'm not going to fire him. I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and that is no more firing Thomas in the first 15 minutes of the show. Okay. Okay. So at minute 16, you're fair game, pal. So <laughs> how was everybody's weekend? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. 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 Awesome. Uh, I had an interesting Saturday. I'm going to um, um, digress here just a wee bit. Um, I don't know if Enos knows this, but I know Tommy and Mad Men know I'm a, I'm a beekeeper. Uh, my wife and I have honeybees. So Saturday was package pickup for bees. You know, right. whenever you have to get a new hive, you, you buy packages and they come in a wooden box and it's three pounds of bees, which is basically 10,000 bees in a box, so to speak. So, of course, part of the territory is you're going to get stung. You know, it's not the question of if, if it's, it's when. when. Um, and you get, you get used to it. So Saturday I went to go pick up the bees, and it was me and, and two of the guys with our little um, bees, beekeeper association here in the area. And uh, one of the guys got stung. And again, no big deal. We know how this goes. But he was sitting there, and he goes, dang it. He goes, I got stung, and I'm already getting kind of stuffed up. And I kind of looked at him like, huh, okay. And, he, and I could hear in his voice, you know, like he sounded like he was getting a cold type of mm -hmm. stuffed up, right? So then he asked the other guy, he goes, you know, do you have your Benadryl? He's like, no, why, do you need it? He goes, yeah, I got stung, I'm getting stuffed up. And he looks at him and goes, are you having trouble breathing? He goes, yeah, and my chest is starting to hurt a bit. And, and me and another guy looked at each other like, okay, you just earned a one-way ride to the hospital, let's go. Yeah, wow, <laughs> exactly. Wow. And it was like within, I mean, it was fast. It, it stung him, and literally within two minutes later, he was already getting stopped up. We think what happened is because it stung him on the ham. We think it went right into the vein because, I mean, it, it took him down quick. Because mm. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's, let's go, Tom. And his name's Tom, too. Like, you just earned a one-way ride to the hospital, Tom. Come on. <laughs> so that was fun. All right. Noteworthy news items for the week. Um, this one, I just, this one just floors me. So Avengers Endgame tickets went on sale yesterday. Um, apparently, they crashed the AMC website for about three hours yesterday. Wow. That's, you know, that's not the part that actually just kind of amazes me because, I mean, we knew that was going to happen. The part that just boggles my mind is the Thursday show sold out. Okay, great. All the Thursday shows have sold out. That's to be expected. But people are scalping movie tickets on eBay from anywhere from like 50 bucks to $500. They're, they're scalping movie tickets. It's, it's not like it's a one-day engagement, and once it leaves, you're gone. It's going to be playing Friday. Yeah, I, I don't understand that at that all. I mean, especially the ones that are willing to pay $500 to see a movie on opening night. No. Yeah. Right. If it was a no. limited engagement deal, okay, I could see it, but it's a movie. You know, as much as I want to see this, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's probably no movie that I want to see so bad that I'm going to drop $500 to see it in the theater. Right. Uh, and what was funny is um, we have a mutual friend, Eddie, was uh, sending me uh, messages at work about it. And I says, yeah. I says, 
and I know that's not going to happen. But you know, it'd be funny if the movie sucked. <laughs> right. Course we know it's not well, going to. anybody who shells out five hundred dollars for a doggone movie they can see anytime, as Cat Williams would say, they're a new kind of stupid. Well, they're probably going to be disappointed anyway, right. because if you if you're dumb enough to spend five hundred dollars, you're going to expect gold bricks to be falling out the screen when you watch it. Tell yeah. me about so, it. So that's pretty much what it is. I paid five hundred bucks for this. Like, this was a piece of crap. This ain't nothing, man. Well, pretty much anything you saw would be like. Wow! Did I really pay five hundred dollars for that? I don't think there's right. a movie out there that can make that can meet up to that. A musical act, I would want to see in any times. You know, Beatles at the prime. Right. I wouldn't want to get if I could. I, I wouldn't pay five hundred dollars. I don't know. Beatles in their prime. They're overrated. Nah, five hundred dollars. I'd, I'd yeah, for a front row to Beatles in their prime. I'd probably drop five hundred for that. Nah, not. I, I would. I would probably do that. I, I can tell you a couple years. That's ago. That's probably about it. A couple years ago, I wanted to see Kiss when they were playing here at Jiffy Lube Live here in the Virginia area. And that ex- the KISS experience to go front row seats and go backstage and meet them and all that was around $1,200. And I'm like, uh, I mean, think it might even more than that. And I'm like, uh, I'm not popping that kind of cash. Did you, go, did you go to the show, though? I did go to the show, but I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, we didn't know each other then, but I was at that show. Uh, actually, I think we knew each other because I think I ended up taking Eddie with me. Yeah, I, don't, I think that was before we knew each other. I'm not sure, but we, I was at that show. No, we knew each other because it was, it's when I live where I live now. Okay. It might have been another KISS concert. But yeah, but I went to see KISS at Jiffy Lube Live. Wait, wait, wait. How many KISS concerts have you guys been to? I've been to one. Uh, I can't speak for Randy, but I've been uh, to well, one. Well, now, let me see here. I went to Psycho Circus. I went to, um, what was the one after Psycho Circus or the one before Psycho Oh, my God. There's one, there was one in the 70s that I'm going to be quite honest, I don't remember. Drugs. Alive. Well, I wasn't doing drugs, but it was one of those things uh, in arena shows in the seventies. You probably got contact. <laughs> you didn't. Out. You didn't have to do it. All right. No, exactly. So, yeah. w- was it live destroyer? Mm, well, alive two. Live had already live had already come out, mm-hmm. so it had to be bef- around a live two time frame because it was after Love Gun and Rock and Roll Over and all those had hit big. I'm thinking so. that's alive too. So, yeah. oh, oh yeah, because remember, uh, uh, well, yeah, because. And now I'm going to reveal my Kiss geekery. Mm-hmm. You had Kiss, Dressed to Kill, and then Hotter Than Hell, and then they all tanked. And the studio said, your strength is your live show. So Kiss Alive came out, skyrocketed, and then they knew they had to really up the game, and then came out with Destroyer, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun. And so, like I said, you, you just triggered my Kiss geekery. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to yeah, comic books. This is books. a comic book show. <laughs> Mad Men's about ready to chuck something. Damn it, this is a comic book podcast. Kiss have made several appearances <laughs> in comics, oh, most yes, notably yeah, like, during the Howard the Duck series. Not to mention the Marvel Super Special Magazine where their own blood, blood was put was in the ink. ink. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. Way to bring it back. Way to bring it back. All right, so also in other news, and um, Ennis and I can probably go on a tirade on this for a good few minutes. So the TV show Gotham in a trailer <laughs> revealed their <laughs> Joker. And boy, does it look horrible. <laughs> and you know, here's here's my thing about Gotham. I was okay with that show the first season, even the first two seasons. I was kind of all right with it because I liked the whole we get to see Bruce growing up and, and you know and how he develops. Here are my two big issues with that show. Number one, um, they're introducing all his biggest villains as adults. You know, like in their twenties and thirties, and he's a kid. And I'm like, so let me see if I got this right. By the time he becomes Batman. Riddler and Two-Face and all them are going to be in their 50s. Well, shit, I can be the 50-year-old man if I'm 22, too. Well, the show's <laughs> going to end with him being Batman, so he's going to be bat- come Batman this year, and I right. think he's well, about 18, 19 but years old. Right. And that's exactly what I was just about to say. Um, my other problem with this is, 
a lot of the Batman mythos were just tossed out the window Completely. and, re and they're re rewriting it. Period. I mean, it's like th there are things going on in the show that I'm thinking that would have that doesn't even happen in the comics. You're anywhere near well, that. You named one of the things that the 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 one thing that turned me away from the show was the fact that of what you just mentioned. All of his rogues gallery was being introduced, and he and these were people. If you know anything about Batman, he didn't meet these guys until he was an adult. Right, exactly. So and so, so these guys will be taking Geritol by you know by the time he gets you know gets into gets in his prime. Like you said, you could beat up a fifty-five year old dude too. Another thing that I didn't like about this show is the way. That, um, if I'm not mistaken, what well, didn't they have Gordon and Leslie Tompkins together? Yes, yes they did. That's wrong, <laughs> because, because because Leslie Thompson was the lady that was that that was found at the Bruce scene. when his parents were killed. She yeah. was, she's the only one who came and talked to him because right. all the cops were busy inspecting the, the crime right. scene. And and um and if you recall back during after the post crisis, they re when they redid his origin. Leslie adopted him. She was an older woman, but she was a doctor at a clinic in Crime Alley, and she adopted Bruce. And um, she saw, you know, his tendencies to like, you know, do good, but he 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 had that thirst for justice early. Right. But I'm like, they had her with Gordon, really? Yeah. The only the only thing that saved the, the fact that they had Leslie Tompkins on the show is the fact that Marina Bachman played it, her. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm willing, shut I'm, your mouth. I'm willing to overlook your transgression uh, here oh, <laughs> by the I, fact that you have a I hot actress playing. I say she won't find. <laughs> yeah, because she's hot. Um, I tell you another thing that did it for me too, where I just kind of said, really, we have to go this route. Um, the girl who plays Selena Kyle, um, Cameron oh, Bicondova. Bicondova. She was 15, 14 when that show started. You could tell the second she hit 18 because the cleavage uh, dresses uh -huh. came out. I, I remember watching that TV show, and she entered a room, and I had to pause, and I went, Selena's showing cleavage. How old is she? And I Googled her, and I'm like, oh, she hit 18 last month. Okay, I get it. Duh. As soon as she hit 18, the producer was like, okay, expose the boobs. <laughs> but the, end of, the reason I'm bringing up Gotham is because you and I were talking about this at work. Um, as much as I hate the show, and I quit watching after season two because they just took way too many liberties, I do want to see the final reveal oh, of yes. Batman. I do want to see and, that. And, and in reading the article about the new Joker that's coming out, which just, just looks horrible, um, I found out that Thursday, April 18th, and they even advertise in the teaser the final two episodes. Okay. So it's coming back um, a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And so... And I even read a report that said the the last episode with Batman, we may see him the entire episode. So, see Batman the right. entire. So it, it might well, be heck that's worth DVRing it. It might it might be one of those things where he shows up and starts putting his stamp on the city. So and I've noticed that Dave, um, from what I'm able to see in the poster of the back of the costume, it looks like it looks like they um, paid homage to Libra Mayo a great deal. Right. The, the only now, the only thing that's kind of just weird about it is no one I guess David Mazuz is a little still too young to, to right. work out a, so they didn't get any, any training or any type of coach or anything so they're going to get a buff guy in the costume and do the whole photoshop and put his face on on the Batman um, yeah, we'll see identity. how that works out let's see um, how like, that far hmm. that goes that's gonna look like Michael Keaton in the first uh, Batman from the and, like, this suit weighed him down right and then I thought to myself well David why are you at it just go ahead and grow a mustache so they can photoshop that out too while you're at it so. <laughs> <laughs> the bat stash right
There's actually pictures that came out of what that supposedly of what Kev, Henry Cavill's mustache actually looks like when he's wearing the Superman suit. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see the super stash. Yes. It could have been a good look for him. Well, you know, Superman with a stash. They pull him back from a grave. You could have easily explained it that all his hair follicles were stimulated, which is why he now has a stash. You know, well, I, that's right. I, I think it would have been okay with that actually. Yeah. Super stash. Because you could have just had a whole scene where Aquaman could looked at him and went mustache. Dig it. Because, <laughs> you know, he had his going. <laughs> so, in other news, um, I don't know if you guys ever read the, the short-lived uh, cross-gen comics line with, like, Sigil and Sojourn and, and uh, Mystic and Ruse. Right. Um, they were doing really good, just like Valiant, and that all their things were tying together with that whole weird cross-gen symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I believe over the weekend, maybe um, earliest Monday, we found out that the cross-gen comics founder, Mark Alessi, passed away at yeah. 65. Mm. Um, so that was another company that had some really good stuff when they were coming out. I just, unfortunately, I don't think they were ever able to break through the all the other markets like, you know, Image and Dark Horse and what have you. Because Independence, back in the day, had a really hard time breaking out of the shadow of the big two. Oh, no doubt. So it's yeah, it's, it's definitely easier for them now. I still wouldn't go so far as to say it's easy, but it's definitely easier. Right, you're a little bit more willing to pick up something by an independent now, whereas yeah. a lot of the companies, unless it took like a three-page ad in Diamond, you you didn't look at it. Right. Um, but I actually found out that apparently some of the big names in the comic industry worked over at CrossGen, uh, and I don't remember if they were already you know giants in the industry then or if that's where they got their breaks. But people like Ron Mars worked for them, Barbara Kessel, Mark Wade, Chuck Dixon. Chuck Dixon, I'm pretty certain, was uh, a giant in the industry before he went to CrossGen. Cause yeah, I, yeah, because we when Chuck Dixon had really cut his. Uh, cut his teeth during now's days with the uh, Alias series and this is not the one with Jessica Jones, the one with uh, Jennifer, not the one with Jennifer Garner he used to come on t- Jennifer Garner Jennifer, uh, what's Ben Affleck's ex-wife Jennifer said? Garner Oh, I was right, well <laughs> oh, damn, I'm tired Anyway, <laughs> and um, he did that and he also did work on the Green Horn and also he put Robin on the map, so he um, had a pretty he had a pretty significant following when he went over to CrossGen. Yeah. And you know who else over, worked over there at CrossGen, too, is J.M. Dematis. J.M. Dematis. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tommy, you know who they're, what they're currently writing, right? Yeah, he's uh, the, the girl in the back. There you go. Bing. <laughs> which, uh, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Which reminds me, issue three came out today, but I haven't been to the shop to pick it up for you yet. Okay. Which, uh, which issue three of Damn? Uh, girl in the Bay. Oh. Um, and Damn, but we're not getting told. Next month, I believe it is. Damn what? three. Huh? Batman Damn 3? Yes. Um, I believe that's I, next month. No, actually, I thought it got pushed back to Even April. Even further? No, no, I think it got pushed back to April. We're, we're oh, I thought April, it got pushed brother. back to May. Oh, I hope it didn't get pushed back to May. Okay, well, I, I could be wrong. Because if it got pushed back to May, I'm just going to wait for the collection of all three and, and sell my first two. Because I had the unedited issue one with the bat penis. That's right. I'm planning on, <laughs> I'm planning on retiring on that the thing. The bat dong. <laughs> Did you I, re- s- I remember standing up in the store laughing myself silly when <laughs> I was like, people going crazy over this. It's a key issue, Enos, a major first appearance. Yeah. Well, what's funny is Tommy... After 80 years, it finally years. raised his head. <laughs> Ta- wow. I just came up I with that so, on the fly right there. I am there. proud that you I just came up that. that you know, I'm that gonna, was a good one. That was a good one. I'm about to Long say, uh, you guys don't understand, you listeners after you understand, Tommy's not known for his quick wit. No, he, gave, he, he, he got us all tonight. He does not get zingers like that. So, uh, But I remember when it came out, um, 
because I remember I bought it Wednesday, gave it to Tommy, we both read it, and then Thursday the internet blowed up. And, <laughs> and he was actually off that day, so I'm sitting there texting him, go find every copy you can, we're going to flip these things. And they were already gone. <laughs> they were already gone. Yeah, and the reason why it was so popular is because it did come out. Right. <laughs> ah. Wow. Okay. See, now all I need. Now they're trying to outdo each other. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, well, now all I need is Elaine over here going, he took it out. Wow. <laughs> it, it, out, it out. <laughs> all right. So that's, that's the only thing I read over the last few days that I thought was kind of interesting. You guys got anything you read that made you go, hmm, or I, I want to mention this? I was reading something about... Uh, I really didn't get the gist of a lot of it, but it says that Amanda Waller has figured out that Superman and Clark Kent are one and the same. Aren't you reading Superman in action? Um, yes. Well, I haven't picked up action in a while. I got. I haven't touched action since a thousand. For some reason, well, I'm, I'm not big on. I have, the artwork just didn't do anything for me. But I think I need to go back and get that. Well, I tell you what. Um, a spoiler. Yes, issue one thousand nine. Amanda Waller knows who he is. Right. Um, and she even says for a long time, "You seriously don't think I know who the greatest weapon in the planet is?" So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but. Brian Michael Bendis is building up to the Leviathan event. Right, right. And it's, taking, it's starting in the pages of action. So you need to go back and get those um, because then the event, there's a one-shot, I think, Leviathan Rising coming. Right. Uh, but the whole groundwork is being laid in action comics on the Bendis story arc. And these guys are bad enough that he just laid waste to like five of the Cadmus uh, facilities. Wow. So even Amanda Waller's like, okay, this is bad news, you know, because she's saying. You know, th- and there was some other story I read that they were going to be canceling. I don't know how I'm. I don't know if this was an April Fool's joke or not. Told me they were going to be canceling the Superman titles for some others that they were going to be promoting or something like that. Way, it, was, it was crazy. I that's got to be an April Fool's joke or a, a misreported because I just got a previews over the weekend, right. I think, or last week, and they're still soliciting. Now, I will tell you the thing that I noticed that was interesting. Because they're bi-weekly, mm-hmm. um, whenever I would look at previews, you would see, like, say, Superman 20 and Superman 21. Right. Action Comics 1010 right. and 1011, right. you would see them both advertised. One of my recent previews only showed one issue of each. Uh-oh. So I think that might mean they're holding back an issue of both of them to then turn around and plug the Leviathan thing mm-hmm. because this is also supposed to be going to be DC's Year of the Villain storyline as well. Right. Well, uh, I've, I forgot, um, you, you, we were talking a few weeks ago about the deceased. And, and I was about to say, and deceased is also coming out. So they right. apparently what's going on is, is Brian Michael Bennis is, is doing what he does. He's going to just shake up the entire foundation to the whole DC universe, much like he did with Avengers and X-Men mm-hmm. where he just pretty much raised it all over with a flamethrower and started building on top of the ashes. Which mm. it may not be a bad thing for DC. Um, I mean, so, let's, let's face it. There's still some of the new Fifty Two things that never recovered. Oh yeah. Like I think I still think Green Lantern is in need of help. Grant Morrison is just not doing it for me in that book. I quit mm. reading as you, after issue three. Bring but, back Jeff. Bring back Jeff. Uh, they need. To well, get... no, don't bring back Jeff because Jeff is doing Shazam. He can do both. He's talented and I, enough and I don't to do both. W- well. Let him write one Green Lantern and be like a creative director for other titles that want to launch, but keep him on Shazam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shazam is yeah, great. Shazam is kicking. Right. But but he can do both. I just love Dale Eaglesham's artwork. I love his Batman. There was a run that he did. Did you guys ever read Steve Rogers' Super Soldier? I did not. No. Know. That was one of the amalgam books, right? No. No. That no was, this that, was, this that was, was the one after he came, after back. came back. Oh, okay. 
It, and, with him, um, um, Sam Wilson had was, uh, had a title, and he had a title as well. Right. And what they did was Bucky was Captain America, and with Steve coming back, Steve became his own character called Commander Rogers, Super Soldier. Wow. Nope. And uh, remember that. And uh, excellent Dale Eaglesham, the artist of Shazam, did that book. And okay. and um and as you know, Dale Eaglesham also did Alpha Flight. He also yep. did uh, Batman Gotham Knights. So this guy is a bankable artist. But definitely, um, I strongly recommend you get Commander Rogers Super Soldier. It's a um, trade paperback. I got it. I was lucky to find it in hardcover. It is a very very good book. I will add that to my lookup list. Um, so hey, let's get to some of the new releases that came out today. Because as because I was telling Tommy, Girl in the Bay three came out. Um, so Image Comics, this is actually a really light week for comics, I noticed when I was looking at the releases. Um, I mean, there's still a great number of things coming up, but nothing really jump on board or start of a new uh, issue type of thing. Right. So for Image Comics, Section Zero Number One came out today. Uh, I might go looking for that tomorrow. It's kind of like um, almost like an X-Files, um, Kirby-type uh, genre thing. They're basically Challenger of the Known, X-Files crossover type of thing. You know, I used to love those guys back in the day. Right. So it, it looks like it might be pretty good. Marvel Comics. Here we go. Oh. Ma- Major X number one, Liefeld's New Mutant uh, oh, yeah. creation came out today. Oh, baby. That's right. No feet. Oh, and Thomas, War of the Realms number one. And I know you're going to be excited. When I look, and this is just the actual listing I saw on a, another website. So 180 covers? 13 variants. Ah, that's a little <laughs> on the light side, actually. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm surprised. For a Marvel book, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, again, that's only the 13 listed that were retailer available, like in your uh, LCS. Oh, okay. There might be incentive covers that they didn't. Oh, yeah, so you got to up that by another about 15. Oh, okay. So something about 80 covers? Yeah, probably. Probably. Somewhere around there. Somewhere between 80 and 100. Have have you guys seen the uh, Joker trailer yet? Uh, I did, and that's a steaming pile of crap, and I hope it fails. (laughs) We do not need a Joker movie. I'm putting it out there. Randy, going off. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I don't like the fact that what they're basically going to do is create... They're going to do exactly what they did with this, that they did with the... Halle Berry Catwoman. It's oh. going to have no freaking ties to Gotham or Batman mythos, and we don't need it. Well, now I've now I don't disagree, but I have read that there are that they're going to do the exact opposite. They're going to be Batman in the hell out of this movie. You group, you see Batman references out, out in in this movie. So who knows? But they definitely got the right guy to play Joaquin Phoenix. Is crazy. Well, see, I hate him too. <laughs> I think he's too old to play Joker. Um, Joker needs to not be a middle-aged man. He needs to be in his, I say maybe in his late 20s, early 30s. We need to see the beginnings of the right, Joker. Right. I, I don't want you to see a guy who's already looks like he's been, sorry, beat with an ugly stick off the tree, you know? It's, well, I'm not going to lie. There's one guy that I've always wanted to see play the Joker because he looked like he walked right out of the pages of The Killing Joke. That's Crispin Glover. Oh, yeah. If you saw that fool well, in Willard, he was perfect. And, and I and I will backpedal that one because I like kind of like to see William Defoe play it too. Oh my God, yes! So he would be really good. And let's be honest, who doesn't want to see Mark Hamill eventually put on the actual Joker makeup and a Joker suit? I the, mean, how many years the, that he did the voice? Yeah. Just to, just to see him do that, right? But he's doing Chucky. Yeah, there's a great video of him and um, Tara Strong doing the voices on YouTube. Oh, man, that's, so that's great. great. All right, so that's the new releases that were coming out. Before I get to our, our big topic for today, because we're, we're really going to blow this one up. This is actually part one of two. Uh, we're going to let Madman pay some bills. 
That's right. Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check them out at dannyspizzaandsubs.com. They are located at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Uh, you can reach them at 540-898-5008. They are open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. On Fridays, they are open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Sundays, they're open noon to 8. It's always buy one, get one free pizzas at Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check them out at dannyspizzaandsubs.com. So <laughs> let me tell you why I'm laughing over here. As I was saying, I looked over at Madman, who had his phone in his hand, and he's obviously reading the text or looking at something. And <laughs> when, I said, dating app. when I said, when I said, Madman, I'm going to let Madman pay the bills, he perked up like, whoops, I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a he, professional. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, time to go. I'm, I'm okay. All right, so the reason I said this is part one of two, tomorrow is the opening of Shazam. Um, so tonight, we're actually going to cover the history of the character of Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, Marvelites, he is Captain Marvel. I don't care what the movie says. I don't care what the comic books being printed are. He is the first and the original Captain Marvel. Deal with it. Billy Batson. And you know this man. Billy Batson. Yes. So here's what's really cool um, about the history of Captain Marvel. So... It was he was created um, by C.C. Beck and Bill Parker for Fawcett Comics, but now here's here's the part that I really love about this. He first premiered in Wiz Comics number two. There is no number one. What they originally did back in the day, and I think they still do it to a limited extent today. They made what's called an ash can, and an ash can is usually a comic with a title and some artwork on the front of it wrapped around a bunch of blank pages, and they're literally just sent off to get copyright. Um, before someone else does. It's like, you know, hey, we're going to make a comic called Thrill Comics, make up a, a quick fake comic. They would send it to the copyright office, like, okay, you have the copyright on the Thrill, what have you. So originally, Shazam was supposed to be coming out in Flash Comics number one, but DC beat them to it. So instead of actually just then creating Wiz Comics and making it number one, they just went with Wiz Comics number two. Well, there was also Thrill Comics number one that right. came out at the same time. Right, exactly. They tried, they, they tried to use both, but weren't able to use either because of for DC trademark had, Yeah, DC beat them to both of them. Well, DC may not, may not have beat them to Thrill. I don't know, but, it's, but it says here they, were already, they weren't able to use Thrill Comics or Flash Comics right. to do the tra copyright and trademark purposes. Well, yeah, and I knew that Flash Comics was the one they'd try to go to first because yeah. that was one of the first things I learned when I was getting into comics about the whole... Captain Marvel premiered in Wiz Comics number two because you start looking for Wiz Comics number one and, and you one. find out there isn't one and you're like, well, how the hell does that work? Right. And that's how. <laughs> and he was originally going to be Captain Thunder. Right. But they couldn't use that name either. Right. Because someone already had that one out. So right. here's the thing. Could they use that name now? Yes. Yes. They can now. He was actually went by Captain Thunder during Flashpoint, wasn't it? Yes. During one of the Flashpoint th stories, well, he during, went by Captain after, Thunder. After the, Flash, and after the original Flashpoint storyline, all the little one-shots that came out where we had all the different Flashpoint worlds, he was Captain Thunder on that. In fact, yes. he just, what was he was just, oh, he was in that Convergence. Convergence, yeah, yeah, Convergence, yeah. He, as, as Captain Thunder. Because I, <laughs> I was like, I just read that in something. What was it? And I forgot I'd gone and reread that Convergence to, two issues. But so uh, for, for you guys out there who don't know, because, you know, let, let's face it, we're the old ones, and some of you may have only been collecting for the last 10, 15 years. When Superman came out in 38, 39, um, it took the publishing industry by storm because it was a hit, and kids everywhere wanted Superman. They wanted more Superman. They wanted characters like Superman. And all the other companies out there said, well, we got to have a Superman-type character. Um, so Captain Marvel was going to be Fawcett's answer to Superman. Now, the thing that's really funny about this is... 
his look, his face, was not actually based off Superman. It was based off the actor Fred McMurray. From My Three Sons. Oh, my God. I love my man Enos. Come over here. I thought I was the only person in the room who had actually watched that show. I saw it on Nick and Knight back when I was a kid a couple times. <laughs> okay, you can stop. Please Down, stop. boy. <laughs> Uncle Charlie was the man. That's Come right. on. <laughs> William Demarest. The one and only. So Yes. Anyway, Thomas, us old guys, um, <laughs> every afternoon on Fox 5 in the afternoon, we'd watch reruns of My Three Sons. Hey, I saw it on Nick at Night. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I saw, saw it a couple times on Nick at Night. So One yeah. of my favorite shows. To be but apparently, with you. Fre- so anyway, Fred McMurray was already a big actor back in the early '40s, and Captain Marvel's look was based off of that. But the irony is, um, after Captain Marvel first came out, it was it was huge. It took off really big. And Tommy, I know you've got the article there because mm-hmm. Wiz Comics was not his own his own book, and that was a a practice back then. You didn't immediately put a character in their own title. Right. Um, they always premiered in like an anthology title. So he got what? Major uh, major comics or what was it? He, he was, Captain Marvel first appeared Wiz Comics number two, um, which sold, apparently sold quite well, over 500,000 copies. Right. And this was in 39. Now yeah. think yes. about that. Yeah. It, he was, he was you know, the number one selling superhero for a while. Um, by 41, he had his own solo series, Captain Marvel Adventures. But he started out in, in Wiz Comics in, in the very beginning for the first first couple of years. And ironically, that year, very same year was the first celluloid ap- or live action appearance of Captain Marvel in the Adventures of Captain Marvel movie serial well, starring cowboy um, icon Tom Tyler in the title role. And I was going to say, you actually just segued uh, to what Tommy was saying. The character was so popular that... He had Republic serials before the character he was supposedly ripping off. The, yeah, the, the first, it, the, yeah. he's considered to have, be the first superhero movie. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, the first superhero movie. That's pretty awesome. Because, the, the, granted, they did make serials for Superman and Batman, but Not Captain, Marvel Captain Marvel came Marvel. first. Captain Marvel yeah. came first. Batman came two years later in 1943 with Lewis Wilson. Came then, he, then his second appearance is, was in 1949 with Batman and Robin. And uh, the same year, we got the first appearance of Superman on live, um, in live action with the late great Kurt a- Kirk, Kirk Allen as uh, Superman, who also played another iconic DC character in the movie serials, Blackhawk. I totally forgot they did Blackhawk. Too bad they never did a Wonder Woman serial. That, w- that would have been, uh, Phyllis Coates would have been perfect for that. Oh, yep, because she was young enough back then. Yes, indeed. And, and, and she was probably one of the more, um, between her and Noelle Neal, she was the more athletic of the lowest lanes. Right, exactly. So anyway, here's, now here's what's funny about this, and I, and I know Tommy's got this over because he's, he's got the article pulled up. Um, so when they first came out with Shazam and they started selling them, DC was like, oh, that's cute. You got a Superman-type character. Okay, have fun with that. And then something happened. It started out selling Superman, and DC went, oh, you have a Superman-looking character. Well, isn't that cute? (laughs) And the tone changed. It shows here at one point it was being published bi-weekly with a circulation of 1.3 million copies an issue. That just floors me. And even think of a comic selling a million copies in the 30s. And so in 1944, Captain Marvel Adventures sold 14 million copies. And you can't. And then so you know at how one hard point, it is to at find one point in time, he <laughs> was at one point in time he was the most popular superhero in well, the world. He right? was a more uh, well-rounded character, right? Yeah. Well, here was the big, big appeal to this. Okay, um, 
all the characters that was hot that kids were reading. Batman was a grown man. Superman was a grown man. Wonder Woman was a grown woman. Uh, the Flash, grown man. The Adam, um, he was a grown man. Granted, he was a short man. Yes. Uh, but like Captain Marvel was the only one that could have been the kid that lived next door to you. Exactly. Right. He was that a 10, was the year old boy. And that's the that's the appeal. And when he said the magic word Shazam, you know, he gained the powers of Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. Right. So, Mad Men, the um, world's mightiest. For mortal. next next week's episode, we're going to need to get the intro to the the, the seventy three Shazam TV series for our opening. <laughs> Take it up with EK. I don't know how he does it. Okay. All right, not a problem. I can get that. Mad Men, I'll send you the link. But uh. Well, the link, EK is one that'll have to actually take it yeah, and splice he's, it he's and chop it and all that, on that happy stuff. Um, so, Enos, while we're on the subject of Shazam, I logged into my DC account today, and there is straight up one of the videos that shows the remastering of the Shazam series. So, I, I oh man, I, I really want to go back and watch those. Unfortunately, yeah. I have a bad feeling that my love of them is based upon the fact that I was watching them as a teenage boy. And that when I watch them now, I might just go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that, that's well I have to admit, I bought the uh, DVD release uh, last year, and I was just. And I have to admit, there were some episodes that I found myself like, "What?" <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, and, and I was like, just sitting there. And, and the reason why I said what, the kids that are in that are in these episodes. Are some of the stupidest people? They get themselves oh, yeah. in the in predicaments that most kids who most generally use good sense won't do. And I'm like, you dummies are just asking for who goes to a doggone shipyard and walks on a darn walks on a ore belt. Then it gets, then the thing starts rolling. Then you fall down, asking a guy to help you, and the thing is moving faster than he can run. Right. And it's funny that you said that because I'm do I'm having the same problem right now with the Wonder Woman series. Right. I'm going through season one, and there's a couple episodes where I'm just like, "Ooh, I'm like this is bad even by '70s standards." Right. <laughs> Which thank God CBS or ABC cut it, and CBS said, "We'll take it, bring it here." And and the best, uh, these when um, CBS took over that series, that was the best thing that ever happened to it because they. Gave it a whole new life. They didn't stay in the 40s. They had her where she was like this ageless character, and she met up with Steve Trevor Jr. And, um, and that made that. That's it, right. Lyle Wagner plays his own father, yeah, his own son yeah. of his character from the 40s, right? Yeah. There you go. And who also, and believe it or not, this fool almost was Batman, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, um, Shazam's. So. You have to kind of excuse the whole thing with the, the Shazam TV show because right. it was made by Filmation. And their whole thing was the, the preachy, you know, kids listen right. to your elders, don't step out in front of buses type of crap. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that's and, and it's funny you mention that because that's one of the arguments that I have. I posted an article on the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture because I coincidentally am friends with Jackson Boswick who played um, really? with, with, nice. with Jackson Boswick. Who played Captain Marvel on the initial season of Shazam of, of the Shazam TV series? And some of the people that, that some of his fans are, they are just like they they, they look at this series like it's the holy grail of Captain Marvel, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> it's not. You should, Randy. I'm I'm gonna show it to you sometime. <laughs> 
some of these guys get on here and like granted between John Davy who replaced um Jackson Boswick right. between the two of them Jackson Boswick was the best best actor to play that character but they talk like this guy is god and they completely trash the Shazam movie talking about one fool went as far as to say you know they should have had you and Michael Gray as creative consultants for what right that's just like way back in the day when they did the first Batman, and people were upset. My that. point exactly. <laughs> that that Everybody said you Adam, West, had Adam West. No, <laughs> right? And I mean, it's a it's a completely different time. And you know, this this Shazam movie is definitely heavily influenced by uh, Jeff Johns's backup stories in the in the Justice, Justice League. Well, and we're going to get into the so. publishing history because we'll get there. Because yeah. Tommy mentioned that, and there's something that when I was reading all this yesterday, I just kind of shook my head and went, "Wait, what? Huh?" But so it's funny that um. Captain Marvel is Billy Botson, and, and in the comics, he's 10, right? He's like 10 or 11, 12, 10. 10, or, no, 10. About 10, 10 or 11. Uh, yeah. It's funny now, that... Now, on Justice League Unlimited, he was... Um, on Justice right. League Unlimited and Young Justice, he was 10. Right. And 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 in the, the comics, now, they've, they've aged him a little bit. He's a teenager. Uh, but what's funny is that in the comics, he was a 10-year-old, says the magic word, becomes an adult. But yet... His sister, Mary Marvel, which I'm still trying to figure out where they dug her out from because in the original story, he's an orphan. But we'll get, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But Mary Marvel and Freddie Fremont, who Freddie become, Freeman. Freeman, who become Captain Marvel Jr., remain kids when they transform. Well, they also don't say Shazam. And originally, they don't no, say Shazam. No, she does. Mary does. Mary, Mary does. does. Yeah, Mary is, um, Freddie Freeman actually speaks Captain Marvel, and right. that's what, how he transforms. Right. And then, of course, like you said, Mary Marvel, she speaks Shazam. She is actually Billy's. He is an orphan, but she is actually his twin sister originally. So, yeah, I, I need to find a story where they dug her up uh, because I, I remember reading that and thinking, well, I don't understand. He's an orphan, but he has a sister. That would be Captain Marvel Adventures number 18. Look at you with the pole. If you were keeping track. <laughs> 1942, my friend. 1942. All right. Good good luck you know, finding that at a reasonable price because uh, you're probably not. I'm going to add it to the awesome con list right up there with there Patsy Walker 95. Get ready, to, right. get ready to to shell out the bucks for that. You're going to be making it you, rain. I can tell you what. Before we go to awesome con, I'm going to strap one of those bags and plastic hoses to the end of my member and put a bag on my leg. Because if I find a Patsy Walker 95, I'm probably not going to be able to hold it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Listeners uh, from previous episodes should know what we're referring to. Right. Everybody knows the quest for Patsy Walker 95. Right. And if not, we'll re- re-examine it someday. Uh, but so what's funny is, so basically DC gets upset with the whole, you can't be ripping off our character. Well, let's rephrase that. We don't mind you ripping off our character, but you're sure as hell not going to rip off our character and now sell him. Exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. As soon as, it, as soon as that came, that's when the, the so, lawsuit. And it's funny. Now, here's, what's, here's what I don't get. Um, they So Fawcett... Cancels all the Marvel, all the Captain Marvels, Master Comics, everything in 1953. Um, and then you remember DC picks it up 20 years later and starts doing their Captain Marvel, you know, actually Shazam. No. Because at that point, Marvel Comics realized that, well, if we name a character Captain Marvel and keep it in some type of current publication, we get to keep the copyright. Right. Which is why you never saw the books published as Captain Marvel. It would call them Captain Marvel on the inside, but the outside had to say Shazam. And on, but and at the beginning, on the outset, when uh, DC's first started publishing back in 1972, they made it a point of driving home 
that he the was the Captain. original Captain right. because and you saw it at the it, box. It, it, it would say the original Captain it, yeah, Marvel. Yeah, it did say that on the right. original cover. I think right. it said for like the first 12 issues, 10 right. issues, something, something right. like that right. before they finally made him stop. But what, here's what's really cool about that that series when they pick it up in 73. It literally almost picks up right from the day of where the, the Fawcett one's canceled. Right. Because Billy's walking down the street and the one guy's like, Billy Boston, but you disappeared 20 years ago. <laughs> and what you find out is Savannah, the big bad, somehow put him in some type of little time loop and put him to sleep for 20 years, and they right. woke up like nothing ever happened. Um, so I'm like, wow, that's kind of a really weird origin story. My, my only problem with that original series from 72, 73 time frame is it, they put him on Earth Fest. Okay, fine, because DC had their whole different Earths for everything. But they didn't ever grow up the stories. I'm okay that Billy Boston was still the 10-year-old boy and became Captain Marvel, but the stories were really hokey as well. They, they're hard reads. Yeah. And, you know, that um, in regard to that storyline about why they were still, um, and I happen to have that one, I do believe, um, it was like the Captain Marvel was fighting the Savannahs, and his head got, um, he was trying to break through, this um, ship that they was in, and everything just stopped. And when Captain Mar Marvel woke up, he was still trying to get through this ship. And um, that was due to the genius of uh, a very unsung um, DC legend by the name of E. Nelson Bridwell. Mm -hmm. A mm -hmm. lot of what we know as Shazam now and keeping in line with the greatness of that character is due solely to him. I actually know that name. Um, because I saw the work on other books, not just Shazam. Right. And it's interesting, even though I say how bad that series was and how it was a really hard book to read, right. that book is why we got the live-action filmation on Saturday mornings. Exactly. So, Well, and, and one, one of the interesting things about that, that line, too, is you, you see... And in number 28, you see the return of Black Adam. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the really bad uh, receding hairline? Well, and, and the, the big thing about that <laughs> is Black Adam, had <laughs> Black Adam had originally made his um, his debut in Marvel Family number one during the Golden Age, right. and they killed him off. That was the only Golden Age appearance he made. Right. So right. Shazam 28 was not only his first, you know, Bronze Age appearance. It was his second appearance overall. Period. See, I didn't Period. know that. But I, I Period. did. I, I mean, I do remember that they killed him off yeah. um, early on. But I didn't know they did, like, right in the first issue. Right, right in the first issue. Yep. They Basically, what the way the story went is he was, the Shazam had given him the power to begin with. And he became, you know, drunk with power, with justice and everything. He wasn't a good ruler. So they shot him out to the far reaches of space. And it took him thousands of years to fly back. When he fly, when he flied back, you know, they tricked him into saying the power word and becoming his regular self, Teth Adam. And because he was so old, his body just crumbled to dust and he right. died. So you two guys and listeners out there, go and read um, the miniseries World War Three. It took place during the middle of DC's 52 event. Mm-hmm. And then after you read World War Three, because it's a great story where Black Adam basically declares war on the rest of the world. And after you read that, then turn around and read, like, I think the four-issue miniseries Black Adam, um, where he's traveling the world after that. Because there's a really great bit in there with his magic word that sets up the, re the, the other following series after that. It, you know, I remember reading that story in World War Three, 
and everybody i was i was working night shift at the time and i was working late with a couple of people and everybody that worked with me knew i was a huge comics fan and i took it out and i showed the one scene where it had all the superheroes right. on one side and black adam on the other and i said to my friend melanie i said you see this right here you see all those superheroes she goes yeah i go they're gonna attack that one guy she goes they go she goes you are yeah and he's going to kick all oh, their yeah, asses. He's going to lay them. And away. it's going to be great. Yes. Right, right. But the, if you've never read it, <laughs> there's a really great moment in that book. That's all I'm going to say. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it um, I next need to get week. Get that back out and reread it. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you had the DC Comics app now, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, go go back and read. So find World War Three. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the the, the whole Fifty Two series, where because mm -hmm. it, it takes place in the middle of that. Right. But things in the Fifty Two series set up World War Three. Right. And right. then they got smart and they did their own little side story, World War Three. I think it's like four issues. And then at the end of that, and Fifty Two ended, then they said, okay, well now we got to resolve what we just did to Black Adam, and then you get the Black Adam miniseries. So, right. And it's, it's really good. Um. So. And I didn't know this, too. When DC started the Shazam um, comic in 73, they didn't buy the rights. No. They, di they didn't own the character. Not yet, no. Which is really weird. They had licensed it. And I'm thinking, so let me see if I got this right. You pretty much brought an end to the company, Fawcett, but you didn't actually buy the character. You let, And when you wanted to publish the character again, you still didn't buy it. So I'm trying to figure out who were they paying for rights to print that? Could have been Fawcett, right? Nope. Yeah, because Faw Fawcett was under. Let's well, see. Fawcett was unable to revive Captain Marvel, having agreed to never publish in the looking for a new property. DC publisher decided to bring back in 72. He licensed the characters from Fawcett, so there must have been someone who owned Fawcett still around that owned him. Hmm. Very interesting. Because well, it, it says here that he licensed the characters from Fawcett. Right, because they didn't actually buy outright buy the character until 91. Right. That was when Saul Harrison was in charge, right? Uh Got me. It was Saul Harris or more white. No, not more white. He probably was. It was more white than so he passed away in 70, 78. Yeah, so, so I mean, it would be interesting to find out who was from Fawcett that yeah, was who still they, around who, who and still would own, own the character. See, I really got to noodle this out because I'm trying to remember, was Fawcett doing anything from the 50s up through the 60s and 70s? 53 to 72, I mean, that character would have been probably dangerously close to falling into public domain. Public domain, right. right. You know, if, if no one had done anything with him. Which might have been why DC started publishing it, because... Well, and, you know, yeah, could oh, and Marvel had bought out their what, own book of Captain Marvel, You know Marvel what? Too, so. I just figured it out. DC realized, hey, this thing, this character is getting dangerously close to falling into public domain, which means someone can pick it up and start publishing it again, and it better be us. So that's that's how we got it. Well, and I'm glad someone at DC wised up. So here's what. Okay, so here's where, where things start to get a little wait, bit. Wait, wait, here, here we go. Here we go. Okay. As per DC's agreement with Fawcett, DC paid Fawcett, and after 1977, its successor, CBS Publishing, a licensing fee per issue. But still, okay, they're paying Fawcett, but what the hell was Fawcett putting out? <laughs> Probably not. You know, they might. But, well, they may have been. You know, maybe they were still a. Uh, oh, you know maybe what? Still a book company or something. I don't know. Maybe for 20 years. Although, I mean, this sounds like a boneheaded move DC would have done back then. They were paying publishing rights but not putting anything out. Maybe it was maybe it was a case of we'll pay you to not publish it. Mm. Let's look it up. Fawcett Publications. Because well. who is it? There's a writer for Marvel who is basically paid to not write anything for anybody else. And he's not writing anything for Marvel either. Huh. It's like they have him under exclusive contract. He won't write for another company. But he's also currently not writing anything at Marvel. Hmm, I know it's not Roy Thomas. Let's see. In 53, no. the company abandoned its roster of superhero comics in the wake of declining sales and lawsuits infringement by the Captain Marvel character and ended question. its publication by comic books. 
it was purchased by CBS Publications in 77 and underwent dismantling and absorption by other companies. So apparently they were doing something between 53, followed by numerous titles. Fawcett Comics, which began operating in third land to the industry. The only thing I can assume is they must they, have It looks like they were doing magazines. They must, yeah. The, True Confessions, Family Circle, Women's Day. There you, there go. you go. So they That's were doing it. magazines. So apparently they kept, the, they kept the rights to the character while they were doing the magazines. Okay, now, now I remember. And purchased by CBS Publications in 77. Gotcha. So now here's where this gets weird. So after um, Shazam gets canceled, I remember that DC did that really weird miniseries um, Legends. And Shazam shows up in that. So at some point they said, okay, we're going to absorb you know, Captain Marvel into our regular lineup. Good move. I, that's like about time you did it. But then they decided to do that four-issue miniseries Shazam A New Beginning. The, and I don't remember this, and I actually read this when it came out, um, so I'm, I'm surprised that I couldn't remember this, and maybe just because I was th- that offended, but they change his origin. Yeah. So they make him a grown-up. I think uh, Savannah actually has ended up adopting him yeah. in the story, and I'm like, wow, I, I really don't remember all this. But fortunately, it was only four-inch miniseries, and that take didn't hold with the readers. Nobody liked it. And then the man, the legend, Jerry Ordway, said, well, let's fix this. And he did, and Enos actually has a copy of it here that he brought in and showed to us, The Power of Shazam, which is a graphic novel, which restored all the previous history of Shazam. So again, it was Billy Botson as a, a young boy, and, and the wizard Shazam pulling him down and saying, I'm going to bequeath you my powers, and you are the last of our kind, there was one before you, the, the whole kit and caboodle. And then, right, I think a year, right after that, we got The Power of Shazam, Shazam series. series. And I've never read them. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and read them. But apparently, that's been. They said that was the best um, version of Shazam up until 2011, when they brought him back in Justice League. I right. read issue number one last night, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very. Orway Orway was the orchestrator behind that, and with Chris, uh, I think it was Chris Sprouse was the uh, artist. They kept the feel of uh, of the power of Shazam, and. Uh, of the of the uh, one shot uh, graphic novel, and they um, that entire series for its run maintained the spirit of that. And you know, it, it's it's amazing how you can get a great comic ser- comic book from just the most simplest things. And Gerald um, would just stuck with the basics and brought made it and brought it to 1994 and was absolutely excellent. And the thing that's really great about this is he brought back everybody from the Marvel family. So Mary Marvel comes back. Captain Marvel Jr. comes right. back. He brings back Black Adam. And I think it's another thing where Black Adam has been gone for a while and he shows up as, you know, finally, you know, the, the greatest enemy Shazam has ever Captain Marvel ever had is back, you know, at full force. So he took all that previous history that had been dumped by the mid 80s and said, no, 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 we need to reestablish this because this right, is, this that's is who the he character, is. right? This is who he is. Right. And then, uh, unfortunately, that character ended. And I want to say that went right up to Final Crisis. Or, or Final Night, one, one of those. The uh, What, The Power of Shazam? Yeah, it, it goes right up to... It ran from 95 to 99. So oh, what yeah. was their big event in 99? That was the Final Night, right? Or Darkest Night? Darkest Night? No. Oh, God, what is no. the name of Blackest the... Night. Black, no, no, Black, no, Blackest Night. Blackest Night takes place after I that. I got you. The Final Night, um, that was... Um, where the sun's going out and yeah, parallax sun is reignited. Sun, and that's how Superman wound up look being electric Superman. That was in '97. Okay, '99. Yeah, well, I was not. I'll be honest with you. I was not reading DC comics. I was a Marvel guy. Well, I, d- I do know that he makes it up to that event 
which is right up before everything just starts going topsy turvy, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole uh, identity crisis and the whole infinite crisis and on and crisis on infinite earths and all that stuff comes in. Uh, so when they reboot the character, they wait till after Flashpoint and the and all the uh, the Flashpoint miniseries, and they rebunt New Fifty Two. Which, yeah, New Fifty Two, you might as well call it a failure. A bunch of stuff in that just did not work, with the exception of Shazam, because it was originally a backup piece in the New Fifty Two Justice League, and it worked great. And who was it written by? Jeff John. Yes, exactly. It's, because is there anything that he can't do? I don't believe there is. Right. I would. Man, I really wish DC would give him Superman. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of surprised you don't g- give me a hard time about Jeff Johns that I give you about Tom King. I'm really surprised. No, it's. I I, I know you've got the whole man crush on Jeff I, Johns. Yeah, so. Jeff Johns is my man crush. That's right. <laughs> I I fully admit mine's Tom King. It, it was funny because I don't know if you've ever seen a show on on Food Network called Cake Wars. My wife recorded an episode on it because Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, and who was it else? Dan DeDito were guest judges, and the people were making superhero-themed cakes. <laughs> well, I'd watch that one. Oh, yeah. Well, well anybody would watch, would watch any that one. one. Yeah, I, I wasn't bothered one. about any other ones, but that one was great. I'd be like, can I eat the Wonder Woman cake? It's like, I need me a Green Lantern-themed cake here so I can impress Jeff Johns. And he came, he comes walking out, and of course, he's wearing the Green Lantern hat. I'm like, that's the what man kind, yeah, right there. Yeah, what kind of cakes do they make? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I, know, I know one of, I mean... So the the people that were doing it though I can I, I do remember this were comic book fans because they were drawing their inspiration for the cakes from actual storylines. Oh wow! So they the the you know they weren't just you know, bakers cake bakers they were honest to god comic fans. That's cool. Yeah, so that so that made it you know even better. So tell me about the cakes. Oh, they were all kinds of cakes. They were they weren't your a lot of them weren't your like traditional stuff. Most of them were probably stuff I probably wouldn't eat because it's like not that's not yellow cake with chocolate icing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I actually looked it up. Power of Shazam runs up through the Blackest Night storyline mm. with Jeff with Jeff Johns and, and the Green Lanterns, and okay. that that was actually really good. That's when Green Lantern was a book worth reading. Mm-hmm. And I I told someone years ago when Jeff Johns was leaving his books, I'm like, well, they're done. <laughs> and I hated saying that, but with the, with the exception, like you you and I have talked about this before, the one the guy didn't need to bring back is Dave Gibbons. Yeah, and you know I think when he left Booster Gold, Jerry Ordway took over, and it stayed a good book. Right, and then. Oh, Keith Giffen took Keith. over. Uh, <laughs> Easy there. Down, Tiger. Uh, but so, anyway, uh, the one thing that was really great about the Shazam reboot and the back of the, the New 52 is we still had Mary Marvel, we still had Captain Marvel Jr., but then Jeff Johns was like, well, wait a minute. If he can share his power with two others, why can't he just do it with others? And this was the first time we actually saw him living in the foster home. We never had that version before until this came up. And now, all of a sudden, we had Eugene and Pedro and, and Darla, and we get the whole Shazam family. And I will tell you, at, when I first read it, I went, no, 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 no. Oh, no, what have you done? This, no, 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 this is not going to work. And then it grew on me. And now I'm kind of like, all right, Shazam family. I'm with it. And you know why? Because I'm so glad there's no freaking Uncle Marvel in it. Oh, man, who are you telling? <laughs> I, I do want to see Mr. Tawny, though. I would like, I to, get see, to, I would like to see Mr. Tawny. Right, we need to get. Well, are you well, are you reading a new Shazam series? Yes, because you know Mr. Tawny just showed up. Yeah, he did. Uh, was it? Yes, Mr. Tawny just showed up in the in the in the Ooh, last. Maybe you I haven't read. The you haven't okay, so yet. we won't talk about that because you have not read it yet. But yes. I need y'all need to tell me show me how I can get number one. So I need number spoiler one. Alert. <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Mr. Mr. Tawny shows up in issue four. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can't even remember the name of the world he's on now, like the Wildlands or something like uh, that. I, 
Yeah, was it was it the Wildlands? Yes, yeah, the I believe it's the Wildlands. Yes. Yeah. So works. you still need a copy of issue one. I need a copy of issue one. Listeners, any any of my listeners out there, if you have access to a comic shop, or if you may even own one, and you can get your hands on a new Shazam number one um, by Jeff Johns, please contact us at lostinthelongbox at gmail dot com or on our Facebook page and hook up hook up Enos. <laughs> if, do you, do you need to read number one, Enos? Because I'll look for it tonight. If you, if you, oh want no, to. I can wait because who knows? The flashback might have one when we go up there. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Also, I'm pretty certain that DC's um, app has now got the newer issues on there. That's right. Um, no, it doesn't have those yet. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have that one. No, they said new issues are going to be 12 months behind. Wow. Well, they wow. used to. Well, well, they used to have their same day digital release. I mean, you can probably buy it off of like Comixology or the yeah. or the or the DC or Mid- app, but oh, yeah. Mid- Midtown right. you or something like that. You can probably buy the digital it. one after that. But as far as the DC Universe app, they said new books are going to be one year behind. Wow, that's a that's a total change from what they were doing a couple years ago. Because you remember this, mm-hmm. they had this program where if you bought it. At your comic shop, that same day, it, it was, was a digital. Re- it was re- well, digital yeah, you online. can get you can get like I think there's a digital code in it that you can get it, and you can buy it online through their DC app, or through um or through Comicsology. Okay. You could do either one of those. And you y- could buy it, but I'm just saying I'm saying oh. to, to show up on the DC the new DC Universe app. That's not going to be for that's another it year exactly because the digital code inside it I think went to Comicsology, not an actual DC app at the time. Yeah. So same thing with Marvel. Marvel's got that whole little sticker in the back of it for digital copies, and, and you're not going to remove that because it. Right, it's the comic. No, no. no. Yeah, everybody says that. that's going to devalue the comic. Right, you don't do that. It's just like you know what though. I would, I'd be much easier just peeling off a digital code out of the back of a comic than I would be cutting one of those Marvel value stamps. Oh yeah, you don't do that either. <laughs> it pains me when I find one of those with the Marvel value stamp removed. Right. No. Then you want to find whatever that ten-year-old kid was back in 1972 and bash his head and oh, punch yeah. him now as an adult. <laughs> this is for ruining my comic 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> One of the things I enjoyed about Shazam growing up is that I got the opportunity to see him, see the character evolve. Now, um, we all read, um, looked at the stories that came out in 73, but to me, a great time for Shazam was in 1977. Um, E. Nelson Bridwell was still at the head, was at the helm of writing it, but they decided to give Shazam a more mature look. To go as far away from the uh, CC Beck version as um, as right. possible, and um, um, Alan White started it, but Don Newton solidified it. Yes, if you read comics back in the late mid to late seventies, Shazam was a backup feature after issue number thirty five ended. Um, Shazam found a home in the pages of World Finest, which back which at yep. that time you could buy the book for a dollar. Was a bunch of stories, and Shazam generally was the anchor story, the story that was the last one in the book. Don Newton gave us a real world Shazam. Bridwell gave us some great stories, but my favorite um, Shazam story is the Captain Marvel from 10,000 BC where it were actually we it is revealed that Shazam the wizard Shazam was actually a hero called the champ a Captain Marvel esque type character or um, hero called the champion and I would really like to see them incorporate that into the new Shazam where they give cuz you cuz um they refer to him as the champion Mm-hmm, off mm-hmm. time. So I would like to see them either Captain Thunder or Captain Champion, whatever they look, that'd be pretty cool. Just the champion. That would be pretty doggone cool than just, you know, Shazam. But you know, it's it's working. 
and uh, they're, they're, and apparently, and it's bringing out a great product. Now, another thing during the um, after the live action TV series, and after it ran in syndication, uh, NBC had a combination live action animated show called The Kids Superpower right, Hour right. with Shazam. Right, exactly. It was a live action version of the, the brand new created characters called Hero High, an animated Hero High episode, and there was a Shazam episode. And they um, used the models from the C.C. Beck-esque type look. And to me, before um, and before the new stuff has come up, that was the best interpretation of the Shazam mythology because you got Captain Marvel, Mary Marvel, Billy, not Billy Marvel, Lord Jesus, um, Captain Marvel Jr., Mr. Tawny, Uncle Dudley, um, you got Ibac, you got Mr. Mind, you had... Um, um, what's the other guy's name? Um, Savannah. Savannah. And uh, it was just, it's hard to find, but definitely if you can find it on DVD or the episodes, it's just worth having. It will probably get re-released now that the movie is coming out tomorrow. Which, by the way, this was part one where we revisited the history of Captain Marvel. Tomorrow, this crew is going to go see Shazam, and then next week we'll be giving our review of it. Um, we'll run a little out of overtime, so real quick, I just want to plug Mad Men Show, Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Um, Shock Monkey Radio. Shock Monkey Radio. Enos has got his Batman, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever, and the realm of superhero comics and pop culture. Is they that know. right? And uh, Lost in the Long Box at gmail.com. On Twitter, Lost in the Long B1. Um, guys, until next time, we're going to be down here wondering just how does Shazam tell someone what his name is? Uh, Why, Madman? Because we're lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Thanks for listening, guys. Good night, Good night everyone. everyone.